Aren't you grateful for the presence of God? Amen? Amen. Man. Um, some of you may be wondering, what happened when Reverend L got up and, and started praying? And, and you know, we, we want to be this body of believers that believes that God wants to interject his heart and his thoughts into our services. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. Hey, I'm like really high-end up here, but not much low-end. I don't know if you can mess with that for me. That'd be great. Um, and for me, I... I we may not know what the Lord quickened your heart to pray about, but I know this, whoever it was is going to be very grateful for that obedience. Amen? Amen? Yeah. And uh, hey, Wes, can you toss me that water? It's uh, right there. Yeah, thank you. I always forget it. So um, today we, we finish up a, a series that we've been on called At the Core, and we're talking about five just core things that are always on our heart. And there are more. There are more. I believe that everything is important to the heart of God. Amen? Amen. Um, whatever it is that you're dealing with, I believe God, that's important to the heart of God. But, but these five things have been just at the, at the heart of what we've been really just kind of talking about for the past five weeks. And so today we finish it. Number one was to see people saved. Um, number two, to see people hit their potential in ministry. Number three, to see people filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and I just want to say this, those things have been happening. Those three things, we saw it. We have been seeing it. We've seen people give their life to the Lord here, uh, even recently, legit give their life to the Lord. We've seen people um, begin to hit their potential ministry. Do you know that last week we had like five people that have never served in a capacity here doing ministry here last Sunday morning? Did you know that? That's how you know God's doing a work right there. People are giving their lives to the Lord. People are, are stepping up to be a part of something bigger than themselves. People being filled with the Holy Spirit. We had uh, at least three that I know of, maybe even more, that got filled with the Holy Spirit uh, the, the day that Reverend L preached. The next one was to uh, rescue struggling marriages. That's always at the forefront of our heart. And, uh, and that's why Dan and Lori do what they do. And uh, right now we're taking a break from our, from our class that we do before service out there in the connection area. But you'll hear about some upcoming events that they're going to do. And, um, and I love how uh, Mike and Carolyn Hirschner have, have kind of uh, stepped in to, to stand side by side with you guys. And I see, I see so much of, of just so much of the same qualities in, that, in those two couples. And I believe that God wants to take what God's done in those two couples and, and multiply it here. And I really believe that. Amen. Amen. Um, and then finally today, this is a big one. This is a big one. And it is um, to bring healing to those hurt by the church. Now, normally I'm full of jokes and fun, but this is not really a laughing matter. Amen. Um, there are people. Uh, can we bring the lights up a little bit so I can see my friends? Um, hey, there they are. Look at that. You know what? Let's take them back down. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just said that I'm not, I'm not full of jokes, and then I did that. I 100% understand that there are people probably even sitting in this room today, and you've been hurt um, in the church. Uh, and I want you to understand I'm not preaching from a, a place where I feel like I've got it all together. Friends, I've got regrets. I really do. My first few years in youth ministry, um, you know, marked by, I, I, I've real, believe it or not, I've really learned how to tone the sarcasm down. I know you're probably thinking there's no way. Um, uh, really, I, I've learned how, how not to hurt people. Um, but my first few years, man, I, I really hurt some of my students with, with sarcasm. And, um, and, and even, even over the years, uh, there, there have been times I've gotten it wrong. And I'm just going to say this. this. This is just for me to, to you as, as I'm your lead pastor. I'm going to get some things wrong, friends. But I'm always going to be willing to reconcile and always going to be willing to hear you and, and move forward with you. Okay, and uh, and so um, 
I'm not preaching this from a place where I have it all together. I'm preaching this from a place where I'm going to do my best to not blow it. Amen? And I think that's the best place you could possibly live. When God is challenging you to do something and God's blessing you, all you can do is say, I'm going to do whatever I got to do to make sure I don't mess it up. Amen? Um, so there are people in this room that are hurt. And, um, and, and, it, and it really it has a lot with the, with the way God's plan has moved. And I want you to understand, I'm, I'm going to talk a little bit about what church is supposed to be and what it's not supposed to be. Amen? And, um, and then we're going to pray for people. If you're here today and you've been hurt in the house of God, hurt by God's people, we're going to pray for you. Uh, be prepared. There will be an altar call today. We're going to bring a power of prayer to bring healing to those who've been hurt by the church. Um, so here we go. I have a, quite a few thoughts on the subject. Uh, number one, and, and this is first and foremost, God's plan was perfect. How many of you agree with that? God's plan, perfect. Amen? So God wanted fellowship with man. And so what he does is he creates everything, the heavens and the earth. He speaks it all into existence. He, he, he speaks the mountains and he speaks the sea and he speaks everything. And it all shows up. Pop, 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 pop. All the animals, birds of the air, fish of the sea. And then he said, I, I want more than that. I want to have fellowship and so it says in Genesis chapter 1, and there are going to be a lot of scripture, so have your pen ready, a lot of scripture. Genesis chapter 1, verses 27, 28 says that, that, that God made man, created man in his own image. In the image of, of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. And he blessed them, and he said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Some of us have taken that challenge a little more serious than others, Right? Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea. That's something I've never been able to master. I, don't, I have no dominion over the fish of the sea. Nope. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. I'm still not walking in victory there. My dogs don't even listen to me. But we'll get there, right? So God, check this out. Here's what he does. He says, it says that God creates man. He wants interaction. He wants fellowship. He wants togetherness between God and man. And so he creates man. He blesses man. He gives them the commandment to both be fruitful and to multiply. And, and you understand there's a difference. Be fruitful speaks to the, the way in which you live your life, that you would be one that produces fruit, that, one, that you'd be one that, 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 that produces uh, godly fruit, and then to multiply we talked about last week what needs to happen to make that happen. We don't need to go there this week. My, my poor family. God gave them, created, God gave them, create, he created them, blessed them, gave them the commandment to be fruitful and multiply. He gives them authority over all the animals. And the idea was that they would walk together, God and man, in the cool of the day, that they would enjoy un filtered access between God and man. Don't you, don't you wish that there will, don't you, don't you look forward to the day where we have unfiltered access to our Lord? Amen? Right now it's filtered by so many things, I and mean, we could talk about that, but that's not what this is about today. Everything that God did, he did so that we could have relationship with him. We all still on the same page? We all agree, right? And so this was God's plan. And then God handed this perfect plan to an imperfect people. Because God gave these people, us, the ability to choose how we we're going to live our life. And I wish, I just wish that maybe he hadn't done that, but I can't think of a better way. Amen? If you're a, if you're a, a parent, you get this moment. Like, have you, ever, have you ever had your kid like want, want like a glass of Kool-Aid or something like that and, and you hand it to them, they're like a toddler and, and you just see their hands shaking and they're, they're, you, it's like you, you hand this to them and you know it's going to cause damage, it's going to get spilled, it's going to happen, ah, right? I kind of feel like that's God, like God's got this beautiful white rug and we're all his children and he's handing us this fresh red liquid to drink and we're like, and we're just going to blow it. If you're a parent, you get it, right? 
So then God gives direction because the fall of man happens. God says, okay, you fell flat on your face, but this doesn't have to end things between us. So I'm going to, I'm going to give you direction. There's going to be this guy named Moses. I'm going to give him direction on how to, how to make the temple and, and how to go about sacrificing for sin and all these things. And so he does that, right? And this is the beginning of what? The church. The church changes as, as Jesus comes and, and people are filled with the Holy Spirit, the, the apostles are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they go out and they spread the gospel. Now the church looks different. And we are a product today of Acts chapter 2 when that moment happens. Amen? Are we still together? The church then and the gospel then spread like wildfire, and that leads us to where we are today. It was a perfect God, a perfect plan, with a bunch of imperfect people. We're all deeply flawed, right? I mean, or is it just me? Okay, you're laughing. I'm a little worried. Or is it just me? Jessica. So what's it supposed to be? We have, we have what God wanted to do. We have what we have now. What? Is the body of Christ supposed to look like? But also, when you walk into the house of God, what is it supposed to look like? What is it supposed to be? That's what we're going to talk about. And we're going to talk about a lot. So it, get your pens ready. Here we go. The first thing it's supposed to be, built on Jesus. It's supposed to be built on Jesus. It's funny that pre-service, uh, we were praying, and, and Big Chatty led pre-service prayer with our with our. Uh, our volunteers, and he was talking about this story with where, where, where Jesus was, was talking to his disciples, and he said, who do men say that I am? And, 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 and everybody's like, well, some say you're Elijah, some say you're one of the prophets, some say you're just you're, you know, a good guy, and he's like, well, who do you say that I am? Peter makes this confession. You had no idea this was in my notes for today. Peter makes this confession, and he said, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And, Pete, and Jesus looks at him, and he says to him in, uh, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, he says, he says, Blessed are you, Peter, for flesh and blood hasn't shown this to you, but my Father in heaven, he says this, and I will say to you that Peter, that you are Peter, and on this rock, that Peter means rock, <coughs> excuse me, I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Understand what he's saying here, because this is, you know, I, I, don't, I don't talk bad about other other denominations or anything like that. This is where the Catholic Church gets confused, okay? When, when he says, on this rock I will build my church, this is the moment where the, pope, the first kind of pope person happens. He's saying, I'm going to build, they think he's saying, I'm going to build my church on Peter. That's not what he's doing. What he's saying is, I'm going to build my church on the confession that Peter has made that I am the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the one that's come to rescue the people from oppression and give them life eternal. That's what he's saying. And he's saying, on, on that confession that I am the Messiah, that's what we're going to build this on. And so if there's a church built on anything other than the foundation that Jesus it, everything rises and falls on him, that he is the chief cornerstone. If it's built on anything else, it's bound to fall. It's not built correctly. It's not up to code. You feel me? That's all of it was supposed to be built on. It's not supposed to be built on a pastor's personality. It's not supposed to be built on an image of a cool church or, or great musicians or anything else. It is that Jesus Christ and him crucified is all that really matters. Amen? We agree, right? Okay, all right, good. So he said that. The next thing that it's supposed to be, it's supposed to be a house of prayer. So we're going to jump from the beginning of Jesus' ministry to near the end when he's riding into town and he sees all the people, all the Pharisees cheating the people, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. He flips the tables and he walks in and he says this, it is written what? My house shall be called a house of prayer. Matthew chapter 21, verse 13. Can I tell you something? It's easy for a lead pastor sometimes to lose sight of that. And I'll tell you why. We get so focused on taking care of our people. And we, we pray for our people. We love on our people. Uh, we get so focused 
on doing the work of the Lord that sometimes you forget the Lord of the work. You know? That's why I'm so grateful for you. Because there are times I lose sight and you bring me back. And I am so grateful for you. You have to live to be 187 years old. You're allowed to die about 15 minutes after I do. Okay? That's the plan. All right? Don't want to do this without you ever. This place, above all things, above a place for you to meet friends and a place for you to get belonging and a place for you to do all those, it also is a place where you should be able to come, drop to your knees, go to the altar, and cry out to God. That's what this is about. So it's built on Jesus, a house of prayer, but there's so much more. It's a place to be cared for. This is absolutely huge, and this is one of, believe it or not, this is one of my favorite parts of the job of being a lead pastor, is getting to care for my people. That probably sounds crazy to some of you, but it's my absolute favorite part of the job, that I, that I get to love a congregation and take care of them. The other day, it was, so, it was, it was crazy, uh, Houston, I talked about him, he had just recently had uh, a kidney removed due to cancer, and he just got baptized um, on, on Easter Sunday. And he ended up back in the hospital, and, and he's on medication for an infection. He's, he's going to be clearing up soon. But he called me, and I was umpiring baseball. I'm umpiring baseball now. Imagine that one, how that's going. I'm having fun. I'm having fun. No, I'm having fun. But he, call, he, call, he texted me during that time, and I, I'm like, look, I'm enjoying being an umpire, but I'm called to be a pastor. So I go, to, I go to the coaches on the home side, and I'm like, hey, it's, it's in between innings. I'm like, I just saw I got a text from one of my people. I need to, I need to call him. He's in the hospital. He's, in, he's going through a lot, and I need to pray for him. And they're like, dude, go ahead. Take your time. And I'm, I'm at the home dugout, and I'm praying. And all of a sudden, I feel three different hands on my back as all of those coaches put their hands on my back and prayed with me as I prayed for. It was a really cool moment. And... Um, and because it's, it's one of my favorite things to do is, is to make sure that you're taken care of. And um, I hate to hear of churches where that's not what the, what, what the ministry is for those leading. That's our job in the ministry. We're here to serve, right? And it's a place to be cared for. And so, in fact, it says in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, it says, Therefore, take heed to yourselves... To all the flock among which a Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. See, you're not my sheep. You're not my sheep. You're his. You're his people. I just get to steward you. I just get to lead you and hopefully not mess it up. Amen? Amen. But, uh, but, but, but our job here is to take care of you when you're not doing well. And... Um, and I will just say this, if you're sick or if you're struggling and you don't tell us, we can't help. You got to be able to do that. This is a place where you should be cared for. It's a place where you should be encouraged. I love what it says here in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. It says, let us consider one another to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assemblies of our, assembling of ourselves together as a man or some but exhorting. What does that word exhorting mean? It means, it means, excuse me. Dang it. There we go. Exhorting means to cheer on, to grab your pom-poms and stand on the side and cheer for that person as they move forward. That's what we get to do here as a body of Christ. We get to, we get to exhort one another. So much more as you see the day approaching, he says. So, so as we are heading into the craziest of times, it's now more than ever that we should be encouraging one another. We should be lifting one another up. This should be a place when you walk in, it should be like the eye of the tiger spiritually playing in your spirit the whole time, pumping you up because there's people around you cheering you on for greatness. Right? You like, thank you. Do you like that? You know what I'm saying? This should be a place where you're encouraged. Encourage, and, and sometimes you wonder, why, why, does, why does he challenge us all the time? Why do the staff challenge us all the time? Because we believe in your capabilities so much to move forward in the things that God has in store for you. And it's our job just, just to cheer, cheer you on and equip you to do it. Amen? 
a place to be encouraged. It should be a place of unity. We should all be on the same page here, right? We're going to have differences in beliefs. We're not, not beliefs as far as like, if, if Jesus isn't number one, I, I can't help you, right? But, um, but we can disagree on music, right? Uh, we could disagree on how light or dark it should be in here, right? We could disagree on methods, but the message we are all 100% in unity on. Amen? It says that in Romans chapter 12, verse 5, it says that we, being many, are one body in Christ, individually members of one another. Guys, I want you to understand something. There's something so powerful about unity. You see it in Scripture. You see it in, in Scripture when, when, when those who are waiting on the presence of God, it says that they're all in one accord. They're all in, in the same mindset, in the same heart. They're all, they're all thinking on the same level. And what happens? The Spirit of the Lord shows up in a big, big way. What is going on with all of the leaving the room? Huh? Kason, where are you going? I love you, buddy. Go ahead. You're fine. I'm just kidding. That, that is a good dude right there. Young ladies in the building, that's husband material walking out the door right there. I'm telling you. That's a good dude. That is a good dude. He's, yes, sir. That's a good man. All right. So, yeah, we should be in unity. And, and when you see... You see that everybody's in the same. Chad, what, do you want complimented too? <laughs> Man, what is going on today? All right, that's my ADD. I'm not saying it. I start talking about unity and everybody's like, I got to get out of here. I can't do that. No, no, thank you. All right, I need everybody to stand up. We're all going to go out. We're going to get a drink, and we're going to take a restroom break. Are we serious right now? Parents, get your kids. All right, let's do this. Place of unity, because the power of God is in our unity. When we're all in the same place, in the same heart, in the same mind, the power of God is in our unity. And I don't know about you, but man, I'm at the place where I just feel like business as usual Christianity just can't continue in me personally, right? And, and, and I, need, I need more of God in my, in my every moment in my, of my life. But when I walk into this building and we're supposed to be going after God together, I don't, I don't need anything holding me back from that moment, right? It's supposed to be a place of unity. It's a place of growth. There's a phrase, and I'll say it, and, and I'm talking, I am talking numerical growth, sure, but I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking more than that. I'm talking, I'm talking spiritual growth. We grow daily or we die gradually. That's what we do. That's who we are, right? It's a place of growth. Praising God and having favor with one another, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. It's a place where we're supposed to be growing in our influence. Let's keep going. It's a place of correction. Now, you don't see that much. And, and, uh, and, and I'm not talking about scolding people. I'm talking about we, we hear what the world has to say so much. We hear, we hear what the news says, and we hear what entertainment says, and we hear what... Our politicians say, and that right there is enough to drive you mad. Both sides, man. Come on, both sides. I don't care. You may get mad at me because I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not propping one side up over the other. Both sides are full of it and need to get it together. Right? Do we agree with that? Okay. And when you hear... All these things, six days a week, you hear what, what all the 
all the entertainers are saying or all your friends are saying. You got to know what the Word of God says. And this should be a place where when you walk in and you're thinking like the world, the Lord quickens your spirit, reminds you of His Word, and corrects your thought. I'm just going to say this. This is, this is where God's called us to have our thoughts right here. And if we think, move, or live outside of what this says and look more like what the world says, then it's us that needs to change, not this. It actually says in, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Then it says, Convict, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. So I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to, 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 to tell you when things aren't right. And I'm supposed to challenge you out of junk. And I'm supposed to con- convict you, or not, I'm not supposed to. The Holy Spirit's supposed to convict you. And I'm supposed to talk about what the Word of God says. And I'm supposed to cheer you on as you make the change. Amen? Are we on the same play- page so far? I know, it's, I know it's a lot. I'm sorry. It's supposed to be a place of victory. Not because of what we've done, but, be he, but because of what he's done. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, he put all things under his feet. He gave him to be the head over all things, the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is a place of victory. Amen? It's supposed to be a place where you can walk in and share the victory that God's had in your life supposed to be a place of healing and miracles. I'm going to say this. If you are in the house of God, you are subject to a miracle. As long as you are living and breathing and sucking air and you are willing to walk into his house or walk into his presence, you are subject to a miracle. There's that moment in Scripture where, where God begins to do all kinds of amazing things through the, through the apostles, and it says in Acts that fear came upon every soul because many signs and wonders were done in that moment through the apostles. We've seen healings here. We actually just had an anniversary of, of, of one that happened three years ago. I want to invite uh, my friend Logan Clapp up here real quick. Come on up, Logan. And uh, can you give it up for this young man? Just graduated. Awesome young man. Now, I'm going to tell my, my, my recollection of the story. And, and, and I remember getting a phone call from Becky that, that, that this young man had, had been unresponsive when she got home. And they were really worried about him. And he was, he was, he was in, uh, was it Nationwide Children's Hospital, right? Nationwide Children's Hospital. And there was a time where he was unconscious. And I remember we prayed. It was a Sunday morning. I remember it plain as day. And, and I think we said something to the effect of, God, I pray by 3 o'clock today that he would begin to show signs of improvement. And we got a call that that happened. But I want you to share your side of the story. Because mom's talked about it. I've talked a little bit about it. But you... You, you get to share your part of it, so go ahead and, and share a little bit. So, yeah, so there's, the reason I really wanted to talk today is because there's a lot of sides of the story, and um, what I really remember from three years ago is that um, I woke up in the hospital and I didn't know what I didn't know what happened. I pretty much just asked my well, I couldn't speak. <laughs> I pretty much just looked at my mom, and um, the only thing I really remember from sign language is this, which is why. And she knew what I meant, which was like, where am I? And uh, she started telling me that uh, they didn't know what was happening, but that I was in the hospital, and they thought I had a seizure, and uh, everything, but what I really want to talk about was that it happened again a good, like, three months ago, and what happened was I started having a migraine, 
And I woke up in the hospital again, but this time I wasn't as afraid as three years ago. I just looked at my mom and I, all I remember is just not being afraid or like mad at God that you think I would be. I just remember thinking like, I can't believe this has happened to my family. Like not happened to me, but to my family. And everything was okay. They just, they kept me in the hospital for three days and they finally said it was a seizure and I have epilepsy. But I'm glad, I'm kind of glad that it happened again. Because the first time they didn't say it was a seizure. They didn't say anything happened. They just kind of said it might have been something. It might have been a seizure. It might have been like you were just freaking out. And then the second time, I had a seizure, but everything was fine. And then they marked me with epilepsy. And God just pulled me through everything. That's what he does, man. And, and, I, and I, I remember... I remember when I was there and, I w- and you were, well, you probably don't remember when I was there, but mom and dad were there and I remember we were praying for you and, and um, man, we just didn't know what was going to happen, you know? And to see, to see God pull you out of it was amazing. And so what I love about when God heals at one point in time is, is he gives you something to anchor his, his, your faith to that he can do it again, Right? And so I want to pray for him one more time. Can we do that? Father, I thank you, Lord, that we have a name to pray against. That name is epilepsy. And Lord, you love this young man whose heart is completely devoted to you. You love him with an everlasting love. And God, that word epilepsy, we we bind it in Jesus' name. And we rebuke it and we speak health and peace over his body that this that this thing they call epilepsy would have no control over his life that all the days of his life he gets to do the things that he wants to do that you've called him to do and be untethered by a diagnosis and so lord put your hand on my friend logan because you're a healer and you bring miracles that's what you do and we thank you for what you've already done we believe for what else you can do in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, friend. Can you guys give it up for my friend Logan? It's a good dude right there. It's supposed to be a place of healing and miracles. So I'm just going to recap. It's supposed to be built on Jesus, a house of prayer, a place to be cared for, a place to be encouraged, a place of unity, a place where you can grow, a place of, of correction and learning what God said and what God hasn't said and what, what does he like and what does he not like. It's supposed to be a place of victory, a place of healing, and a place of miracles. That's what it's supposed to be. Do we agree? It's supposed to be a place of peace. It's supposed to be a place that's safe. There's what it's not supposed to be. And we're going to talk a little bit about that. And then we're going to pray. What it's not supposed to be. It's not supposed to be a place where things are stolen from you. Now, understand, I mean in a figurative sense, because we here at Fusion Church are not responsible for lost or stolen items. <laughs> Just understand that. No. <laughs> So we talked about that moment. Jesus is near the end of his ministry on earth, and he rides into town, and he walks in, and, and he starts slipping tables, and he says, my house is, is written, my house should be a house of prayer, but here's what else it says, but you have made it into a den of thieves. And that's, that's because what was happening was the Pharisees and the leaders of that time, they were robbing the, the Jewish people absolutely blind, the people of the congregation blind. They were robbing them because they, they, were, they, they had in, 
accurate weights and scales on what, on what they were doing. So what I mean by that is, is they, would, they, would say, they would say, well, you, you have a dollar, but you have, to, you have to pay for this bird that you're going to have sacrificed. You, you can't bring your own. You've got a dollar, but you've got to exchange it for our money, and our money's worth more money than yours is, and you have to buy this bird to sacrifice. And that's not, what, that's not how God called it. So Jesus walks in, and he sees this, and he's furious. They were robbing the people blind. But also there have been leaders over the years, and I've watched it happen, that have not only just robbed people. I mean, geez, Louise, we could talk about the money thing. And, and let me just say this. This is why we put our checkbook ledger out on, on just the financial part of it. This is why we put our checkbook ledger out every business meeting every year so that you can look at what we spend, what you give on. Um, you can see it, right? And we've seen that misused and mishandled. But, but also, there have been leaders that have stolen people's hopes and dreams and, and callings and moments where, where, where people felt they were called to the ministry and a, and a leader told them, you don't have what it takes. That's not what it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be challenging you to chase after what God has for you. The church is supposed to be cheering you on not stealing those dreams from you, not stealing your joy, not stealing your resources. Amen? All right, next one. It's not supposed to be a place of division. So we talked about unity and how important it is. We're called to be of one mind, of one spirit, of one heart for sure. That's not always the case. Disunity happens... We used to say in the pews, but no church likes to have pews anymore. So it's in the chairs. Students, nobody gets the chair. Like it's, it happens from side to side. It doesn't happen this way. It happens this way, where people slander one another, gossip about one another. So we don't talk about gossip a whole lot. Gossip is sickening to the heart of God. Did you know that? If you're talking about people... In the house of God, you're talking about your brothers and sisters. You, you better be lifting them up. If you're, if you're gossiping about them or slandering them, you're causing disunity. And what does it say? There, there are a few things that are detestable to the heart of God. One of them says, those who, call, who sow discord among the brethren. That means those who cause division within the seats. That's not, that's not on on, on the leadership. There are things that are on the leadership. That's on you to make sure that you don't create that atmosphere. Amen? Amen? Because when you do that, you hurt the person beside you. They never want to walk back into the house of God. Look, you have a bad experience at McDonald's. You just go to a different McDonald's, right? right. You have a bad, actually, no, that's not true. You have a bad experience at McDonald's. You, you don't even go to Wendy's. You go back to that same McDonald's expecting them to screw it up, and they do. But you have a bad experience in church, and you never come back. And all, and all Christians are wrong, and all Christians are, are, are hypocrites. And it's like, you don't do that to any other, any other venue. You don't do that anywhere else. But here's the problem. If you're the one slandering and you're the one gossiping, you're the one putting people in a position to say those words. You have given them fodder. You have given them uh, ammo to say those things. And, and, and they're rightly so saying them. It actually says, let nothing come out of your mouth, which is not, but, but that which is necessary for edification, to lift people up. And when there's division within the church... power of God doesn't move. There has to be unity. We have to be in the, all of the same mind, the same heart. If you're at odds with somebody in this building, you, you need to work it out. You need to work it out. You need to figure it out. And maybe you're like, well, I've reached out. I've done everything I can do. I've reached out. Okay, well, you know, you do what you can do, and if they, do, if they don't want to reciprocate, that's between them and God. But at least know that you did your part. You have to do everything that you can do to look at yourself in the mirror and know that you did it right. Amen? Am I making sense here? Okay, good. If you're here today and you're the person that's, that's slandering people and gossiping about people, stop it and repent right now. 
cut it out. Last one. You're like, oh, thank God, it's almost over. The last part of the introduction. No. The last thing is not supposed to be, it's not supposed to be a place of pain. This place is not supposed to be a place where you get hurt. Many people have been hurt by church hurt, and we've talked about that. It's probably happened to everybody in the room in one way, shape, or form. Amen? God had a perfect plan. He gave it to imperfect people, and hurt people hurt people. Amen? I've been hurt by others, and I've hurt others. If you've been hurt by the church, here's a couple thoughts. First of all, you have the moment of offense that happens here, and you have the moment where you can move on from the offense, and that's here. You're going to spend time in between, right? You're going to spend time in between. The, the main thing that you have to do is you want to get from here to here the best you can without damaging yourself or someone else in the middle. Without making decisions that you know you shouldn't make in the middle. Without saying things that you know you're going to regret in the middle. Without doing anything that's going to compromise your integrity from here to here. At the end of the day, we all have to look at ourselves in the mirror and know that we've done it right. Amen? Sometimes a hurt is worse because the person who hurt you refuses to acknowledge it. And what are you supposed to do with that? What are you supposed to do when the person who hurt you refuses to acknowledge, accept, or, or, or repent for it? What are you supposed to do? Well, the Bible says that we still have to find a path towards forgiveness. What do you do when you're the one who's hurting people? You have to understand and this is why it's so important for us to get it right and, and, you know, as your pastors. What it says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 6, it says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were drowned in the depths of the sea. I can't think of a scenario where that sounds better than what's going to happen. Well, I mean, I guess I can. Lake of fire, gnashing of teeth, that... That'd probably be it. But that's, that's why this is so important to the heart of God that we get it right. And if you're a, a, a carrier of the name of Jesus, you got to be careful how you treat other people. And me as a pastor, that's doubly true. I have to be careful. If you're here today and you're hurt by something I've done, I need to know about it. Maybe not all at once, all right? Let's space it out a little bit. Okay? Let's do that. Let's stagger it some, shall we? Um, because we got to get it right. And I, I, just, I just finished watching the documentary on the Hillsong Church. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, there's a lot in there where I'm like, okay, we're just fishing for things to say me bad things about. But, and, and, then, and then I listened to a podcast on a church called Mars Hill and how it just imploded. And the, the overarching theme that I saw in, in, those, two, in those two documentaries were, were this. And, and someone actually said it, and they said it really well, so I'm going to say it like they said it. Jesus lived in such a way where he sacrificed himself for those who couldn't help themselves. Many times you see in churches where the leadership sacrifices those who can't help themselves to help themselves. I'm going to give you a couple promises. My promise to you is I'm going to do everything within my power to make sure I don't do that to you. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure my team doesn't do that to you. Is that fair? If we get it wrong, and we will get things wrong, my promise to you is that we will always work towards a path 
of reconciliation and restoration. The one thing I would hate is to never know that you were hurt and to walk out of this building and just say, I'm never going back to church again. Because God has so much better for you than to walk out on something like this and never come back. If you end up at a different church, and that's, that's, that's fine, but never walk out of the house of God and say, I'm never coming back because somebody messed up. Amen? Leave, leave, if you're going to leave, that's fine. Leave, leave well. But we'll do our best to make sure that there's never a moment where we protect the brand or the leadership over the sheep that we're called to take care of. Amen? Is that fair? Um, so what do we do when the church isn't what it's supposed to be? First of all, like I said, if you've been hurt here at Fusion Church, I'm, I'm so sorry. We want to know about it and we'll do what we can to make it right. If you've been hurt elsewhere by the body of Christ, I'm so sorry. Let's start working away towards healing. Only thing I, I can think of, and, and I heard this illustration and I'm going to use it. Only thing I think of is we have to let God hold us together. We have to let God hold us together. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. But I love what it says. The author and the finisher of our faith. He surrounds our faith. He surrounds us. He is the beginning and the end of it. He holds us together. You know what? Um, let's do this. Play a worship song back there. I want, I want the worship team to be able to respond to the altar if you need to today, okay? So you guys take, take this time off. We need to let God hold us together. When you feel like you're falling apart, and you go ahead and stand to your feet. You feel like you're falling apart and everything hurts. You've got to let Jesus hold you together. I heard this... I heard this um, this illustration one time as Louis Giglio was, was talking about uh, uh, how great is our God. And he started talking about this, this thing called laminin. How many of you guys have ever heard of laminin before? Hold on, put that down. Not yet, not yet. How many of you heard of laminin before? Okay, so yeah, so this is, this is so cool. Laminin is a cell adhesion molecule in your body. It basically holds your body together. If you didn't have it, Skin would be falling off, kind of like leper, you know, <laughs> you know, you wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't be able to, your body would, would begin to fall apart, right? He talks about how it holds them together. And, uh, and, and have you ever wondered what a cell adhesion molecule named laminin looks like? Go ahead and show it. It looks like a cross. How cool is that, right? That which holds you together looks like the cross. And it's all throughout your body, all over the place. You're, you're like, I didn't know I was filled with laminin. I don't know if I can handle it. You're, you're filled with it. It's all, over the, it's all over your body. And it looks like the cross because it's a reminder that the cross of Christ is what holds us together. When everything else is falling apart, when we feel like we can't handle it, when we feel like, like we, we just can't move forward, when we, feel like, when we feel like our life is falling apart, he surrounds us and he holds us together. So when I get it wrong, Christ is the one that holds you together. When another person in the pew gets it wrong, Christ is the one that holds you together. And if your faith was ever in me or anybody on this team, to keep you together, your faith was in the wrong place. It was always in him to begin with. He's the one who keeps you together. He's the one who keeps you strong. He's the one who has every aspect of your life in his hands. And so maybe you've been hurt by the church. Maybe you've been hurt by church leadership. Understand this. We're here to help, but he's the one who holds you together. He's the one that holds you in the palm of his hands and bookends your life as the author and the finisher of your faith. I don't get that title. I get to be called a shepherd. That's about it. He's the one who holds you together. 
So maybe you're struggling right now. Maybe you've been hurting. You're like, PT, you have no idea what they did to me. No, I can only imagine. You have no idea what they said to me. I've heard the stories. I, I know. I get it. But your body has a reminder all within you that Christ on a daily basis, moment by moment, is there to wrap you in his arms and hold it together when you can't hold it together yourself. And so maybe we need to let him do that. I want to invite the prayer team, uh, even some of our elders or staff, you go ahead and make your way up. Maybe you're here today and you've been hurt by church. You've been hurt by people who were supposed to bring unity and peace. And you've been hurt by people that were supposed to encourage you and be there for you and care for you. Instead, they brought you pain. We want to pray healing over you. Because some of you have been carrying this around for so long. And it's been your reason for not moving forward. It's been that thing that you can point to that holds you back. We want to pray for you. I don't know if this made sense to any of you, but there's the, what the church is supposed to be and there's what the church is not supposed to be. We're going to strive to make this place everything it's supposed to be with everything within us. And we're going to let Jesus hold us together. So if you need prayer, we're going to crank up the music and we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to pray some healing over you. Maybe it was even us that hurt you. Then let's work towards a path of reconciliation. And let's do it now. Let them hold, hold us together and not walk out of that door carrying the same hurt you carried in. Amen? So I'm going to pray. We're going to crank up the music. If you got to go, okay, I understand. Remember, the graduates are out there. The snacks are out there. Make sure you stop and talk to them. Congratulate them. Tell them that they're awesome. And eat the celery because I don't want to do it. Okay? Let me pray. Father, thank you so much for your work in this room. This was a hard subject to talk about. But you're the one that holds us together when everything else fails. And you're the one who brings healing when we feel like we're falling apart. And some of us have been carrying a pain because of things that have happened to them in church years and years and years ago. It's held them back. It's defined them. It's made them skeptical. It's made them un, un, unsure if they want to walk into the house of God or trust anybody there. And that is not what you designed. But it's a perfect God with imperfect people. Thank God you hold us together. So I pray that you would bring healing today. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Crank up the music. And if you need prayer, come and see us.